0: Welcome to In Our Tracks, the podcast from the National Reining Horse Association. In today's episode, we're going to visit with Bob Avila. He's the 1994 NRHA Futurity Champion. You've also seen his name in lights in the working cow horse and cutting arenas, as well as even in the Western Pleasure and the all-around side of things. We are proud to tell you that today's episode is brought to you by DAC Vitamins and Minerals. They provide livestock nutritional products in the most economical price they possibly can to enhance the performance of their customers' livestock. Welcome to In Our Tracks, a project from the National Raining Horse Association. We're here to honor the history of raining, discuss current events and trends, and look ahead at the opportunities this sport has in its future. We'll honor the legacy makers, movers, and shakers from the reining industry, as well as grassroots competitors and weekend warriors to offer insights from the full spectrum of the reining community. So let's start off with our, our large fast, is what we call it, the, just a few icebreaker questions. What's your favorite food to have in the truck when you're hauling?
1: Uh, I love lots of candy and salami and cheese. Oh,
0: right, right, gotta get the protein. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. The sweets seem to be a common thing yeah. between all you guys. Oh yeah, that's very true. Good yeah. deal. Um, so what do you listen to when you're on the road? Do you listen to podcasts, music? Uh, no. Uh, Jimmy Buffett. Um, you know, things like that. Can you name a favorite horse that you've ever ridden? You know,
1: I thought about that. I really don't know if I can, but Chick's Magic Potion was probably my favorite horse. I don't know if he was my best horse, but he was my favorite horse.
0: Um, what's what your most memorable accomplishment horseback?
1: I don't know if I could have one. You know, um, winning the reign of fraternity is definitely one. It's a... I'm a very goal-oriented person and when I set out to, uh, if I have a goal I set out to do, uh, once I reach it, it's just, I kind of take a breath, uh, snaffle a bit rain cow horse, snaffle a bit fraternity, world's greatest horseman, rain and fraternity, those are the highlights of my career.
0: What is your favorite trait in a horse? Their mind. Their mind. What, what, what do you look for in their mind? Anything specific? Uh, horses
1: that are willing to please. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, that's probably the, the biggest thing. I, they, you know, it goes without saying they have to have talent, but there's a lot of ha- horses that have talent. There's a lot of people that have talent that don't use it. Uh, I like horses that have talent that will let you use it with it.
0: Great. And um, what's your most common advice that you give to a non-pro before they go show?
1: Relax. Think about what they're doing. Take one step at a time.
0: So Bob, tell me a little bit about like your life in the horse industry. Obviously you've been in in it your entire life. Your family was in the horse business. Can you even imagine yourself doing anything different than this?
1: Yeah, I'd like to be a beach bum someday, but I don't think that's going to (laughs) happen. But uh, no, I I always wanted to be not so much a horse trainer, I always wanted to be a horseman. And I don't know if people realize there is a difference there, but there is a great difference there. Um, and you know, from the time I was little, I was born on a horse. Someone asked me when I, you know, cause I, I, do a lot of different events. Somebody asked me when I learned how to rope and I saw a picture of myself and I must've been about two with rope in my hand. So I must've learned how to rope really early. Um, but I learned how to do things so early. I don't even remember when I learned how to do a lot of it, but, uh, I, I, horses have been my whole life. And I have had the opportunity to get away from them for a while. When I was about 16, I left horses completely for about three or four years. Uh, I grew my hair long, I had a ponytail, I drove a Corvette, I ran wild, I did whatever I wanted to do. I had nothing to do with horses. Uh, Greg Whalen and Mary Whalen in California were probably the only horse people other than my parents that I even talked to. I wanted to see what the other half lived like because I never knew anything but horses. Well, I woke up one day and thought, this is not my life, this is not what I wanna do. I want to do the horses. And I, uh, I went to work for Tony Amaral for $250 a month. And I left a really good job in Reno. And it's I never looked back.
0: Is that something that you would recommend that, you know, anybody who is born into the horse industry and, and you think you want this to be your career path, do you, is that something you would recommend to someone to, to take a step back, go see what else is out there and make sure that this is really what you want to do?
1: I, I definitely do. Yeah. I mean, it's like, you know, and you hear about, you hear about marriages, people that uh, maybe high school sweethearts and stuff that never go out and go out with anybody else or something to get married, usually they have problems later on in life. And, uh, you know, I didn't, I'm glad I did what I did because I can look back and I have no regrets. I, I, I found out what the other half lived like. I have no regrets that I did it. I had a ball doing it. I wouldn't trade it for anything, but I knew what I wanted to do. And when I did it, I did it.
0: We're gonna need some photos of the ponytail and the Corvette. <laughs> you
1: know, I did find some pictures. I don't. I don't know if I have ponytail in them, but I have long hair. In them. <laughs> and it wasn't as gray as it is now.
0: <laughs> Perfect. Um, so you have worked with or been around some of the most iconic horsemen in in the history of this industry, right? And um, so, who are the horsemen and horsewomen who you admire the most?
1: Older or younger?
0: Both of them. (laughs) I think think it's so great to hear when we hear people like in your career stage and you are recognizing like like you see young talent that you admire. And so I think think we'd like to hear about both.
1: Well, you know, I I guess I didn't realize how important my father was in my life until I was older. Um, My father was a great horseman. He owned a horse named Doc Stebar, which was one of the first great sons of Doc Bar. And, uh, and, you know, I, I think you take your parents for granted until you get older. And um, he, he taught me work ethic. That's what he gave me. And, uh, and you, know, you know, I worked for Tony Amaral. I worked for Harry Rose. I was around Don Dodge. I was, I was, I was around some of the greatest horsemen on the West Coast. I mean, I was. I got, to, I got to sit on their laps when I was a little kid. I got to work for them. I got to, you know, there was Jack Roddy, which is a Hall of Fame uh, rodeo cowboy. I used to go and warm up his dog and horse for him. I mean, I grew up a horse kid, you know, and I was very fortunate with that. And, you know, today, I think the one thing that is different is all my heroes were cowboys. That's what they were, they were all cowboys. And today, now it's, you know, a computer. So I, I'm very fortunate to grow up the way I did grow up. Um, you know, I, I, had, uh, I had lots of heroes. I think today, some of the young people are younger people. Some of them aren't as young as they were. <laughs> um, I think Andrea Fapani really, his work ethic is second to none. He is very talented, but more than just talent, his work ethic is is incredible, you know, and I admire that. And that's, you know, that's one thing I could pass on to my son when he was growing up. Because, you know, when you have kids, you don't know what, you have kids yourself, you don't know what you're going to be able to give your kids in the, in the future. But if you give them work ethic, they will always survive doing something and, you know, they'll be all, all right.
0: Absolutely. I think that's something really unique to kids that grow up in agriculture, horses, that sort of thing, is that really strong work ethic that we try to share with our children. Exactly.
1: And, you know, I've I've been fortunate to have, uh, I mean, maybe I've been the most fortunate horse trainer to have a lot of great young horse people work for me. And I don't know if I was so much a great mentor or teacher or I just gave great talented people the opportunity to prove themselves. I gave them the opportunity to do what they wanted to do. Um, you know when Todd Bergen worked for me and won the reign and fraternity I, I had a very well-known trainer tell me I was, well, I can't say how he told to me, but he, he told me I was nuts for letting that kid show that horse and I remember, I remember like it was yesterday, I looked at him and I said, you know, that kid trained that horse. He works for me, but he trained that horse. So he's the one that should show it, you know? And we all got to be behind him that year, you know? So I, I've given kids a lot of chances to do it. And I think that's an important
0: thing. What's one mistake that stands out in your mind that you've learned from with horses or, you know, in running your business, What what's something that, that you really Uh, now look back on and it was a key learning something that really formed who you are
1: um probably not knowing when to quit sometimes and i i see that probably more today than i did then i i was what the young people are today you know you to be the best you have to push uh i mean if you're a teacher pushing your students you have to Push your students. If you're a horse trainer, you have to push your horses. But the biggest secret in training horses is knowing when to quit because you're gonna hurt them. They're not gonna like their job. It's just not gonna work. And I've done that over the years and I was fortunate enough to realize I was doing it before it got in my way too much. Uh, But uh, that's, that's probably one of the biggest mistakes I see in training horses today and then.
0: Absolutely. Um, how is it something that you recognize? Did one of your mentors point out to you, hey, you know, this is, or how, how, how did you come to the realization?
1: A really good friend of mine named Bruce Gilcrest, and I uh, some of the older time guys will remember him. He died very young. He was, I think they, we were just talking about him the other day, I think he was 48 years old. He uh, showed a horse in Ellensburg, Washington, stepped off, Went down to do his skid boots, had a heart attack and died right there, you know, which a great way for a horseman to die. But Bruce was a very misunderstood person. He did some pretty weird things, but I think he was brilliant. I think he was, he was just a brilliant person. There was no two ways about it. And he told me that when I would get in trouble with a horse, instead of jumping into the fight with him, or jumping forward into the problem with them, to just get off. Get off, sit down. If you smoke, have a cigarette. If you've got gum in your pocket, chew a piece of gum. If you've got a piece of candy, whatever. Just get off and think about your problem. And you know, it takes five minutes. And when you get on, you have a whole different, different attitude. And I think that probably helped me more than anything because I was like, I was like, go forward. If you're in my way, I'm gonna run right through you. And that's not the way you get it done. You know, Horses can only take so much. Uh, the younger they are, the less focused they have for time. Um, that, was, that was something really good. And, and he told me, he said, you know, you he taught me that young horses are like children. You're a mother, you have little kids. Uh, you know, when your your kids go to their first year in school, they have a lot of recesses Well, they can only focus so long. Cults are the same way. They can only focus so long. So you can't just keep doing something over and over and over and over because they can't take it. And, uh, so I've learned how to treat my horses like they're children and young children. I mean, five-year-olds, because I think mentality wise, they're a lot alike. You know, the, the more I do that, the better off I am. And, and I try to put myself mentally in their position. Say, okay, if I'm going to try and teach you something, what are you not understanding? If I was you, what would I not understand? And a lot of times that's taking that break instead of just jumping forward saying, I mean it. I want it done. Right. You know, it's taking that break and giving them a chance to understand it
0: when looking back on those kinds of learnings that you had is there any other advice that you would have given yourself as you know a starting out professional or even even just 10 years ago um what what other advice would you give yourself that you've learned
1: not really you know I've had a great life I mean I've, I've like I said I'm very goal oriented I've accomplished every goal I've ever set out to do in the horse industry at least once and uh I mean, I, you know, if it ended tomorrow, uh, I have no complaints about anything, you know.
0: Well, let's talk a little bit about that goal process then. Do you work with your non-pros like to get get that right horse that fits with the goals? And do you sit down and have like a, a discussion to flesh out the goals and how you're going to get there? Or what, what does that look like for you?
1: Yeah, you know, I, I think the first thing is non-pros, and I, I think a lot of non-pros don't understand it, I have a lot of people that come to me and say, I want you to buy me a great one. Most non-pros can't ride a great one, but a great non-pro horse is one they can ride. That makes a great non-pro horse. You know, great horses that we see win the Futurity, you know, win the run for the million, whatever. Very few people can ride those horses. You know, they're, they're not easy to ride. The greater they are, the harder they are to ride. You know, and uh, it doesn't mean they're not good. It, it's just, they're hard to ride because they are so good. And uh, so I try to match size-wise, mind-wise, um, speed-wise to the non-pro that I put on. You know, I think that's a very important thing. And I, I think I'm pretty, pretty good at it. I mean, I, I've, I've mounted a lot of non-pros and, you know, it, they don't have to go win the world to be successful. They just have to get along with their horse and be able to go show it. So I, I think that's a that's a really important part right there.
0: Well, one thing that you and I have talked about is, um, in the end, this is a non-pros hobby, and Absolutely. they have to enjoy it. Absolutely. So having that horse that's the right one for them is is super important to that enjoyment factor.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes, and it is, and you know, and I've had I've had I've had a few non-pros tell me that I'm too rough on them and stuff, and. And you know maybe i am and all i want them to do is do good you know that's it i think the non-pro buying them a horse they like is a big part of it because if you don't like your horse you're not going to do good on them you know and it's uh you know the biggest biggest part is making sure you buy a horse that fits them and they like them you know and, and the horses like them horses are an animal we're an animal you know i mean there's horses that don't like you as much as you don't like them or horses that like you as much as you like them. You know, and then there's people that have horses they like that the horses don't like them, you know? So it's it's a it's something you have to be a little careful with. Raining is something in a lot of the performance classes period you can't buy it. You know, the non-pros that win are the non-pros that ride. You know, I've seen a lot of non-pros that have a lot of talent that don't ride a lot and i've seen non pros that don't have a lot of talent that work at it really hard and they beat the other ones just because they work at it hard you know it, you can't you can't you can't buy this you know you've got to work at it you know
0: so so you've kind of ventured into this new endeavor after moving to arizona where you're doing a lot of mentoring and coaching we've talked a little bit about that professional athletes all have coaches so Why should NRHA professionals be any different? Um, Can you explain a little bit about where you think that that um, philosophy is headed? Are are more people seeking coaching? Um, And then also, what kind of advice you're giving?
1: You know, I'm not telling it. I'm not saying I planned it, because I did not plan it. Uh, We just bought a place in the middle of August in Arizona, and I wanted to slow down a little bit and ride a few less horses and kind of enjoy my life a little bit. I've had several very successful, very talented young trainers ask me to help them. And I started helping them and I realized how much fun it really was for, and I think we have fun with them, both sides. And, uh, you know, some of our younger trainers are extremely talented. They've got unbelievable livestock. You know, they've got the customers to back them for anything they need. You know, reigning horses, The reigning horse industry is one of the only professional industries I know of that our professionals don't have coaches. Now we have coaches for our non-pros, but we don't have coaches for our professionals. And you know, like if you watch tennis players, for instance, you know, some of these tennis coaches, they can have those tennis players just move their wrist a quarter of an inch and change their whole game. And so, you know, and it's like football players or anything. I mean, our, our great professionals have coaches and all a coach is is a ground man. There is another set of eyes that can see something. And I know that I have helped several people over there that, I mean, there's just a little tiny thing that you can tweak. And uh, once in a while I will get on their horse because I'm a very visual person. Sometimes I don't know what's going on, but if I can, like when I, I've had all my, the guys working for me, I'd feel something on a horse and I didn't really know what it was. So I'd get off and tell them, get on. Well, sometimes it would take me 20 seconds and I could see what the problem was and I can go fix it. And, and I do that for people too. And uh, I've enjoyed it, you know, they're, they're extremely easy to help because they are so talented you know and uh i'm looking forward to doing it i mean i I have a good time
0: doing it i think it's a really interesting you know new phase for your career and that it's an opportunity i guess when you don't want to be on the back of a horse all day long anymore and but you have all this to offer that i think it's a a really symbiotic deal where you both get a lot out of it
1: and and i'm trying to you know, one thing I've always done with all my employees, um, I've tried to help them learn how to run the business too. You know, because I've always said horse training is only 50% of this. You know, you have to learn how to take care of customers. You need to learn how to take care of your business. You know, I've always laughed at making money's easy. Keeping money's hard. Right. You know, we all <laughs> know that. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of things, you know, they need to use their head doing. And i just, I've always been open with all the people who've worked for me. If they got a question, ask me, I'm gonna tell you. You know, there's nothing, I, I don't hold anything back. And uh, I'm doing that with the people I help too. And you know, I've got, um, I've got one customer, a uh, person I'm helping and they had a problem with a customer and they called me and I just said, hey, you know, you make it as good as you can make it. And if it isn't good enough, it's not good enough. You know, customers are not always right, but they're always customers. Yeah. So you got to do what you got to do. And, um, but it's, it's it's been fun, I've enjoyed it. It's, you know, I ride uh, I ride four headed horses a day at my house and then I go around every day for a couple hours and help other people or, you know, if they need help, they call me on the telephone, works good
0: tell us about your life outside of horses what's something that maybe the average bob avila fan or even friend doesn't know that that you like to do um i know you and dana have a lot of fun things that you do we do have a lot
1: of fun things we do you know my dad was a horse trainer and my dad worked my dad was an incredible hard worker and he died and he might have enjoyed himself the last couple of years before he died, I mean, maybe he enjoyed himself his whole life doing what he did. You know, Benny Catron was a great, he was like a brother to me, and he just worked all his whole life, and, and you know, I don't wanna do that. I have other interests that I do, you know? We have a, a go-fast boat, that is, we have a ball in, you know? And uh, we don't get to go out in it enough, but we have a Polaris side-by-side side that we go roaring around out. At the end of our road, there, the national park it is, is 2.9 million acres. And so we go out and we play on it. And, you know, I, I like to do things. We're going to go to, you know, I've been to a lot of different countries doing a lot of different clinics and stuff, but my wife's never been to Italy. So we're going to go to Italy here in another year or so. And, and um, you know, I want to enjoy life because I don't think I'm going to get to do it again. You know? <laughs> but And, and there's, there's, there's more to it, you know. And I think, I think if you have some interests Outside of horses, when you come back to horses, you appreciate them more.
0: Absolutely. What are your, And I mean, I, I, I'm sure there are a few, what are your pet peeves around the barn? Things that just...
1: Cleanliness. Yeah. My, I'm as anal as anal gets. And I know the kids have had more fun with me over the years because my tack room is probably, well, you've seen my tack room. Uh, it's probably one of the...
0: It's cleaner than my house. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, all my
1: bridles hang one direction. They're, you know, everything is... And I know the kids over the years, they thought it was fun. They'd walk in there and turn a bridle around backward. I would go and have heart <laughs> palpitations. <and> my, <laughs> I would start getting short of breath and everything. And they, I think they just got a charge out of it, you know. But uh, I, I, I like things clean. You know, I, I was... I, I had a businessman that was helped me get started... He just died here about six months ago. His name was Ken Austin. He owned ADEC Dental Supply Company, and it was the biggest dental supply company in the world. To this very day, if you go there, there will be something in there that has an A on it, and it's ADEC. And uh, he told me, he said, you know, your rigs going down the road are a traveling billboard. If they're filthy, people look at it like they're filthy. If your barn is dirty, people look at it like you're dirty. And, you know, they don't want their horses in places like that. And I, I never forgot that. Absolutely. And I live on a paved road, so my trucks aren't dirty. <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I, I think that's part of what makes me, too.
0: And it seems like it's something that is very strongly passed down to the, the people who have worked for you also. Yeah. That they, <laughs> that they carry on that torch. Yeah, <laughs> they do. They do,
1: you know. And I, I've, been, I've been extremely fortunate to have absolutely unbelievable, talented people work for me. And, you know, I don't think the podcast is long enough to name them all. You know, it's, um, I'm probably prouder of those people that work for me. The horses probably come second. And I mean, I, I think to be a great horse trainer, you've got to love your horses. If you don't love animals, you can't be a great horse trainer. I don't care what you tell yourself, but you know, I'm so proud of, uh, the legacy I've left with the horse trainers. And they have not just the horse trainers I've left, but they've gone on to train other horse trainers, you know. So it was, uh, it'd be fun to do a tree, you know. I really would. I've, I've thought about it. I'm just scared to death that I'm going to forget somebody and hurt their feelings. You know? Right. So, but uh, that that's probably, you know, when it's all said and done, that's probably one of the most important things, you know.
0: What's um, something that you see as a, a positive change in reining that's happening right now? What what direction the horses are going, or um, how they're being presented? What what kinds of things do you see as trends that you that you like?
1: You know, the horses are being taken care of so well. I mean, we have the opportunity to have the saltwater tanks. We have. I mean, we have everything, you know? I mean, you can take care of these horses so well, if that's what you want to do. Um, And uh, our livestock, we're breeding better and better livestock all the time, you know? I see that, you know, there's some, and I I know there's some that are fairly close to me, they're trying to breed yesterday's horses today. I'm not so sure that's the best thing for us, you know? I mean, evolution goes forward, doesn't go backwards. I mean, our our young people are learning how to take care of their horses better. They're not taking them for granted. We have better veterinarians. We have better horseshoers. You know, I mean, every, everything is a plus. It's just up to us to be smart enough to use it.
0: I think there that says a lot to, you know, the idea of respecting the horse, respect the sport. It's, it's a vital thing in our industry right now. And um, it's really, exciting to see the new ways that we can care uh-huh. for these animals and make them comfortable and allow them to perform the best they can.
1: Yeah. And you know, raining is the only that I know of, maybe barrel racing too, Raining is the only Western event that is worldwide. You know, there are a lot of countries you can't work cattle in, things like that. You know, the hunter jumpers, they're, they're worldwide, but as far as the Western industry, Raining probably is, is more countries than anything, you know, and it's just, it is worldwide anymore, you know, and it's, it's exciting. I mean, Bill Horn told me when I, one of the first years I came to the rain fraternity Fertility, and I don't know if it was a complimentary, he, he was just being Bill Horn. Um, he said before we came from the West Coast that if he could get both leads changed, he could make the finals. And he said after we came he said it was like we got to change the game and you know I, i don't think that i don't think it was the west coast that made it different i think what we've done is we've taken the east coast and the west coast and we've combined them and we've made a whole different industry and it's a better industry and if you take east and west and combine them it turns into a pyramid we've gotten better and better and it's gotten bigger and bigger so it's it's uh it's pretty exciting to see it grow like this
0: you think you'll go watch some raining when you go to italy no (laughs) (laughs) i've been to italy doing clinics and stuff i don't need to do that don't need to do it no i I need to get
1: away sometimes you know it's
0: it's good for you absolutely is there anything else that you want to cover that we haven't talked about
1: when i'm gone i just want to be known as a horseman i don't want to be known as a cow horse guy or a rainer or a This or that, I want to be known as horse.
0: So today's episode of In Our Tracks uh, is brought to you by DAC Vitamins and Minerals. Um, It happens to be that Bob, who's our guest on the episode, is also endorsed by uh, DAC Vitamins and Minerals. And so we want to talk to Bob a little bit about his products, the products that he uses on his horses to make them look so great, and um, what experiences he's had using them. So, Bob, can you tell us, first of all, a little bit about how you found the products and came across them?
1: Well, you know, uh, at the World Show, I kept noticing a lot of the halter horse guys had DAC on their stall curtains and stuff. And uh, Randy, the owner of the company, he it was always stalled on the other side of my stalls. So, you know, I used to show halter horses. I mean, I love my horses looking good. And everything. So I, uh, I was talking to Randy one day and I just asked him about it. And I, you know, I've always given oil to my horses because I think it makes their hair better and everything. I think it makes their, uh, you know, just their insides better. Cause you know, if you ever get a horse that ties up or, or gets impacted, the first thing you do is you give them oil, you know, so I give my oil every day and it seems to help them. But, um, so Randy and I were talking a while and stuff and I decided to try it. And you know, that was, Five and a half, six years ago, or something. I guess it would be five and a half now. And
0: uh, I, I really to- like it. So you've had some time to see the results. What kinds of things are you seeing on the outside of your horses? Is, is it mostly in the in their coat and their general bloom? I guess that they have.
1: Well, you know, there's a there's a lot more of the things in their oil than just oil. You know, and uh, I mean they they have an oil that helps their digestive system. It helps them gain weight. You know, it helps their hair coat and their skin. And uh, you know, it's it seems it seems to work really well. You know, I noticed a difference in mine. And uh, you know, I, I think I've had I've had enough time to uh you know, really try it out and stuff, you know.
0: So aside from the oils, are you using any other DAC products that make a difference in your horses?
1: I use the joint supplement also and they call it OFP. And, uh, you know, it's a joint supplement that has glucosamine in it and MSM in it. And it has a lot of different vitamin things in it. And, uh, and you know, I've, I've always felt that, uh, you know, performance horses especially need a joint supplement all the time. And uh, glucosamine is probably, probably my go-to supplement to give horses. And this has glucosamine in it also. So, um, you know, those are the two things I give them, and, and it seems to seems to work really well. You know, I, I have, knock on wood, I have very few problems, and, you know, it's got to be something we're doing, so.
0: Right. And do you find that your horses find the, the oils palatable and they're easily consumed by the horses?
1: Oh, yeah. And, you know, it's funny because when we feed, um, I have a full feed pellet that we feed, and we just pour the oil on their... Feed and stuff, and there's always some that drips off, and, and the dogs are constantly there to look it up, you know. So, I guess that's why my dogs always look
0: good, right. as
1: dogs, whatever, you know.
0: Dogs you know
1: but, uh, so it, you know, it it must be good, you know. I've noticed over the years, even you know, when I was a kid, some of the things my dad said is alter horses. Once the dogs, once they hunt it up, it's something good, and you know, the horses, I mean, they like it, They they go for it, so it works great.
0: So to find these products, um, you can go to feeddac.com. That's F-E-E-D-D-A-C dot com. And um, you can find a, a representative in your area or a way to get them shipped to you. And uh, maybe you'll be lucky enough to have your horses looking good, as good as Bob and Dana Avila's do when we see them out there in the rating pen. But um, we appreciate uh, Bob's time today and um, especially appreciate DAC for uh, sponsoring this episode of our podcast. Thanks for listening to In Our Tracks, a project from the National Raining Horse Association. For more about reining and NRHA, visit NRHA.com. And be sure to follow us on Facebook at NRHA National Raining Horse Association and on Instagram at NRHA Raining.